So I could give Norwegian two more points here <laughs> that we didn't talk about. Number no. one, and, and I'll be quick on these. Norwegian still does a paper navigator. <laughs> everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. Sam, we got a, a repeat guest coming back on. I thought that the last time we had talked to John was about the big red boat, but he corrected me. We had talked to him before about uh, Elani the last time and he noted this would be his uh, third show appearance without directly talking about some sort of recent Disney Cruise Line cruise. And uh, nonetheless, we're excited to have him back, right? Absolutely. John, it is so good to see you, to have you back on the show. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. and Great to see you guys. Yeah, you too. And thank you for all of your tips, of course, for Aulani. Yes. As you know, we are now Aulani converts. We now own Aulani via DVC. And we are obsessed with all things Aulani, including Duffy, my favorite bear. So, And what about Duffy's friend, Olu? I do love me some Olu Mel as well. Um, I will tell you that Nathan has two different Duffy stuffies, a Shelly Mae stuffy and an Olu Mel stuffy as well. <laughs> There are more characters, but we don't have those. <laughs> John, uh, why don't you re-educate our listeners on your cruising creds and your cruising background and your Disney background so folks know uh, where you're coming from on that. If we go in my background, so I am uh, gold for Disney Cruise Line. So I had been nothing but the Disney dream to get there. But then we did two cruises on the Wish last year. So we did the DVC cruise, the second one and then we went and did a very maritime one in november as well on the wish i've been disney world every year since december of 71 so 50 straight years of doing that wow. <laughs> i'm a dvc member have done disneyland done alani and we're actually going and staying at hilton head in may which will complete all the dvc resorts Oh, oh wow. wow. Then they announced two more, right? Then they announced <laughs> Disneyland and the uh, Fort Wilderness Cabin. So I guess I have two more. I'll have to put on the resume at some point. You have time. They're not opening quite yet. So yeah. you've got, you know, you've got some time. Well, with those cruise creds in mind, we brought John on the show to do a little bit of a Norwegian cruise line versus Disney cruise line compare and contrast. Uh, we were supposed to go on a Norwegian cruise line sailing out of Seattle this summer. Uh, actually, I think it was last summer, but I can't keep track of all of the COVID-related cancellations and rebookings. But uh, we were supposed to do a Norwegian cruise line sailing to Alaska at some point, and uh, we ended up converting that over to Disney Cruise Line and are now stuck constantly pushing that one out. But John, where did you go on Norwegian Cruise Line? And, and have you sailed Norwegian before? We have not. So we actually went, there was a bunch of different families that went for spring break and about I think six different families. One of them had done Norwegian a few times before. And it really just came down to let's try it and see, um, you know, the benefits, the deals, the cost in that. And it made sense for the whole group. So it was a week long, uh, Saturday to Saturday. We left Port Canaveral. And then our four ports were uh, Porto Plata in the Dominican Republic, St. Mm -hmm. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Tortola and the British Virgin Islands, and then their private island, which is Great Stir Key. 
And which uh, which ship were you on? The Escape. And where does that one fall in terms of its its age with uh, Norwegian? So Escape was a 2018. Yeah, yeah so not their most recent. Um, I think there's a chance that that one is going to be repositioned and one of the larger ships is going to go to Port Canaveral is what I had seen. But it was, uh, I mean, it was a nice ship, still one of their larger ones. I mean, I would put it right in there, right, with the dream and the fantasy. Yeah, look, I'm looking at uh, the Cruise Critic website, and they say that it is uh, 4,200 passengers, 1,700 crew. So, yeah, I would put it up there with the dream, the fantasy, the wish, for sure. Um, what? Uh, so you said the group dynamics here kind of dictated trying out uh, Norwegian. Was Were you sort of excited to give it a try or a little apprehensive? I don't know what you heard leading into your cruise about Norwegian. Yeah, kind of both. I mean, our friends are, again, they're big believers in Norwegian. We took him on the wish with us in November. And all I heard about was how much more they like Norwegian. So I did, didn't mind trying it. I, you know, again, going into it, I think a lot of the extras that came with it was worthwhile, especially mm-hmm. for something to be, a, you know, a cruise of that length of being a week. But I think there are some things that definitely hit and some things that didn't. And at the end, I'll tell you, I think at the end of the day, I, I would rather have done seven days on Disney. Well, we can just well, stop the, the show right there. Let me put the outro <laughs> yeah, music in. There you go. There's the front. <laughs> but there are some there are some benefits. And again, it's going to fit for some people, right? Some people, right. Are, I think, might like it better. What kind of cabin did you get on board? John? So we were in a um, club balcony room. Where does, how does that compare to some like, you know, Disney Cruise Line has like fairly limited sort of cabin style offerings. Where does it sort of fit in the, uh, the Disney uh, vernacular? So we did the club balcony with a extended veranda. So I would consider that to be one of the family extended veranda staterooms on the Disney ship. Now, does club um, or does the word club as they use it, is that just a vernacular for the type of room or does that correspond to any kind of concierge type status? So it is some kind of status. And I wouldn't say that it's anything someone should pay extra for. We need it because we have four in the family. So we need it for Mm -hmm. the space. I always love the extended balcony, but it did give us like a bottle of sparkling wine when we checked in. So that was already in the cabin. And then we got some different treats two or three days throughout seven days that a regular cabin wouldn't receive, like chocolate covered strawberries or some cookies and that. So that's about it on the club. I believe we had priority in that we were also able to book reservations for shows before regular cabins as well. Oh, reservations for shows. So tell me what what that is, because obviously we know from on, on Disney Cruise Line, you just show up to a show. There's no reservations. Um, you have to show up early if you want a good seat. And there is a chance that, you know, the theater does get pretty packed. But what is the reservations for the shows entail? So there was one Broadway type show on the cruise and it did fill up as far as um, reservations. It was Choir of Men, which was a big British show. Um, they brought it here on the boat. Really good. I mean, um, I liked it. I thought that that was uh, a big win and a nice show, but that's one that you needed to make reservations for. There were some other things that you could have made reservations for. Our friend said, it doesn't really fill up. Don't worry about it. We won't make reservations. Being that this cruise was filled up, I mean, it was all 4,200. There was some times where we probably needed some of those reservations. 
because this was a, a spring break schedule cruise, right? So we're talking high season, no matter what cruise line you're on, especially at a Port Canaveral. It's obviously a very busy cruise port, but really all of the ports in Florida, that's really high season for them. You know, let's let's rewind for one second here, John. And, and I want to ask about kind of the process leading up to the sailing because we kind of skipped ahead to the sailing itself. How did that process compare to Disney from... Booking online, which I'm guessing very few differences across different, you know, cruise lines, except for the fact that Disney is now sort of perpetually keeping itself like with only about 18 months of itineraries as opposed to some of the other cruise lines that book out years. But that Disney process, it's, you know, you book and then you've got kind of the regimented windows that open up over time for activity and online check-in and that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas some of the other cruise lines, it feels a little more relaxed and loose in terms of how you do things. How was Norwegian in terms of that experience of booking up until the time you uh, you actually set foot in the port to get on the boat? So I actually thought that it was um, pretty close to Disney with that. So just to give you an idea, so when we booked, we had a discount on, I believe, the third and fourth person in our cabin. And then we were given the package of a free drink package, a limited Wi-Fi, two specialty dinings, and then $50 off any excursion for the first person. Oh, wow. So those were the extras that were given. The good news is we went through the process, right? They had lifted most of the COVID thing, so we didn't have to test. So, the you know, all that, we were kind of wondering where that was going to fall. So that kind of left everything out there. Mm -hmm. um, dining, when you book the specialty dining, you do have a window where that happens. So our friends who have status with Norwegian, they book those specialty dinings for us. Otherwise, we would have had to wait to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was one benefit. But again, to me, seems very similar to Disney, right? Everybody had, mm -hmm. you know, falls in line based upon their status for when they could book things. Same thing of, you know, that wonderful get the early port time starting at midnight. So that wasn't a change either. That was a process that while I swear at Disney, um, every time when I'm up uploading things and trying to get that done and get back to bed before one or one thirty, this was no different. I mean, I want to say <laughs> it took me, you know, from midnight until probably one thirty to get everything done. I, I really felt most of the process leading up to it was very similar to Disney. Interesting. Now, what kinds of things did you need to book in advance? It sounds like specialty dining is maybe one category. You said reservations for some shows as another category. Um, I imagine shore excursions is a, a third category. Were there other things that you needed to book in advance, perhaps in a, you know, different than on, on Disney Cruise Line? No, I think that's it. All of those were items that you could book in advance. I think it made sense to be able to do that. Some of our other friends did not book their specialty dining in advance. And then mm -hmm. they, when they were on the ship trying to do it, they were very limited to what was available and the times. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah. you know, by not doing it ahead of time, they kind of missed out on being able to use those credits that they had. Another thing that we were able to book ahead was the thermal suite. So oh, right, nice. the equivalent of the rainforest room on, uh, on Disney. So we were able to book that ahead of time, which we made sure that we did that. What about drink packages? Did did you all um, book drink packages in advance? And, and if so, what did those you know, include? So the drink package was included as part of our package. And the drink mm -hmm. package that we received was any 
um, beverage $15 or less. So if there was something more, so like we wanted to have an espresso martini that was 18, we paid the $3. Oh, oh, it's just you pay the difference. Actually, you that's, only that's, the difference. that's pretty nice. Yeah, I, I didn't, I kind of always assumed you just paid for it if it was above those, the limits, but that's nice to hear you don't, you just pay the difference. I assume that includes soda then as well, or, you know. No. So that's oh. the interesting part. So two adults, two children in our party. Mm-hmm. When they give, even though they give you the drink package for free, part of your cost is prepaying the gratuities for that. I believe for that week and for the cruise at 20%, our gratuities based upon what they charge for the drink package was like 500 and something dollars for the four of us. Mm-hmm. Well, the kids can't have the alcohol beverage. And when you really look online and do stuff, there's be some that, well, the kids are they get the drink package, the soda package out of it. And then there was other things that said they don't. So we paid a gratuity for four of us and then we got on board and they're like, nope, the soda package isn't included for the children. That would be extra. And I said, well, I paid the gratuity for it. They said, well, if you could show us where you paid it, we'll reimburse you those two gratuities Mm because technically you shouldn't have paid for on there. I didn't have access to be able to do that. Now, if they were with me, I got the soda because I had the drink package. They got it. I gave it to them. They were fine. Um, Mm -hmm. Most, I'd say 50% of the time they were able to get it. 50% of the time they were told no. Oh, interesting. So That's so weird. That's weird that they got the, so if you had been four adults, they would have had a free drink package, but because they were kids, they didn't essentially. Right. You would have had to pay extra for the soda when the soda package presumably is of a lower value than the drink package that you had because it included alcohol. That makes no sense whatsoever. But I'm that's actually really helpful to hear just because if people are listening and you're booking on Norwegian, just something to know if you have an included drink package that is the $15 and under beverage package, it's not going to apply to your kids. Yeah, and they have different. So we could have upgraded our beverage package I thought it was too much to do it, but the upgraded beverage package includes all the top shelf liquors. So, Mm -hmm. and then I believe it takes it up to either 20 or $21. So all beverages at that price or less is included. But at 15, we said uh, that was fine. And looking again, if there's plenty of vodkas, um, plenty of gins, you know, scotch, everything included, we were even able to get some uh, shots of fireball, which is included in uh, in the drink package. Because it was under $15. I guess how much of the the pre-cruise add-on stuff, because, you know, I'll get to a question in a little bit about value, right? And some people will say, well, you know, you pay a lot to get on Disney, but once you're on board, you know, you got to pay for your drinks, like drink packages aside, you got to pay for your drinks. Alcohol, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, free soda, all... 99% 99% of the restaurants are included except for the adult dining upcharges. But you know, there's a sense of like, well, when you start to add in all the little things that you prepay for on the other cruises, like you don't necessarily equal out to what you pay for Disney. You know, it's, it's eroding that kind of perception that the sticker price for the cruise is the same as the ultimate price for the cruise a little bit. I'm just curious, how much of the stuff that you pre-bought or that was available to pre-buy did you feel like you had to do to make the cruise experience, you know, good for you versus... You know, it was stuff that you bought and you thought, eh, I didn't really need this on board or looking at it, I don't think I'll ever need this. Like, what, what was the calculus for you on some of these pre-purchase cruise items? So if I would have bought, so, so again, being that they gave us that package, right. right, technically, if I would have bought it a la carte, 
yes, I would have probably paid for the same be- alcohol beverage package that we received. Mm-hmm. I would have done the thermal suite. The $50 credit for the first person on shore excursion was right. We did one sh- shore excursion and it really wasn't that big of a deal um, to be able to have that. Wi-Fi was terrible on the ship and oh, well. you didn't get any communication and we can get through that if we kind of compare and contrast some things i could talk about that in a second so i would have did those two and that would have been it and i don't know if there was really anything else that you had to you know specialty dining i probably might have paid for those or even Mm -hmm. if i did that same cruise again i might have purchased a couple more specialty dining nights Let's start with some of the compare contrast for a second. So um, let me start with one thing you never see on Disney are cruise fare sales, unless you are in a special category, right? They'll do vet sales for veterans or Florida residents, although they've paused those here recently for a little bit, but those kinds of things. Uh, did you notice the price fluctuate on your Norwegian cruise after you purchased it? And could you call in and say, I want the, the new lower price for this cruise? So you could have, but this one did not drop at all. So um, to give you a, 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 just a difference, so I booked my cruise through Costco because I got back whatever, 200 and something dollar cash card. You know, I think I get used the Costco card and I get right 3% on travel back, you know, once a year from that. So I booked through there. My one friend books direct with Norwegian. Mm-hmm. With his, it, where they keep track of it and they'll um, be able to, if something drops, rebook it for him and do all that. But this cruise had none of that. So, um, okay. you know, sold out cruise, spring break, there was no chance. But he did say in the past, there's been those periods of time where they've been able to, you know, fares have dropped and they've been able to get a lower fare. I forget yeah. what the days out you are for Norwegian. I forget if it's 30 days or 60 days out that you would have to do it. Once you're within that window, if the price drops, then you're locked in. At right. So the very last minute, probably right. you can't take advantage of the very last minute deals, but they allow you to take advantage of some deals that may be three months out or four months out, something like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. But that's a key difference. You're never going to really be able to do that with uh, with Disney Cruise Line, uh, maybe in a rare scenario. So if I put up a seven-night cruise on Disney Cruise Line as against a Norwegian Cruise Line seven-night itinerary like the one you sailed, I'm assuming the Norwegian Cruise is going to be less as an initial starting point than the Disney Cruise. Like how much less? Like do you think it's a 50% less, 75% less? Like what, what was the savings on the initial sticker price? So when I originally looked, so this one was just over $5,000 for four of us for right seven nights. Mm-hmm. Um, that same period of time for seven night, which would have been on the fantasy, was running anywhere depending on cabin. Like if we would have done the family extended veranda cabin, that would have mm-hmm. been close to 11. That's what I would have guessed. All right. So a little, a little over 50% in terms of the price difference. Let's or 200% to your meaning, you, you mean. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. it's it's half of or more than half of right. what you would pay on Disney. Let's fast forward here. I, I recently had the experience of checking in for a Royal Caribbean cruise and was blown away by how fast the online check-in experience went. It was to the point where like, we had to scan a passport and I was like trying to adjust the camera to get to the passport before I could even do it. It had extracted all the information off the passport. And then I was like, I, I literally had one screen of information to fill out. And it was like, you're checked in. I was like, really? I feel like I need to go through a whole <laughs> process here. A question and answer and tell them my mother, my mother's maiden name and my father's first pet. And, How are you getting yeah. to the port? How are you getting back? Like all this stuff, right? Did not 
not have any of that. And so, John, I'm curious, how is the online check-in experience for Norwegian? And um, I'm assuming they have an app because every cruise line seems to have an app. So we ask about that check-in experience. We're able to do it through an app. And how is the app itself? Their app is terrible. So I got to say, it's not, it's really not a good app. And once we were on the boat, for whatever reason, we couldn't even get the app to work for oh, the no. whole seven days. The app never worked at all. All right. So I, th- I think we have now identified where it is. Disney Cruise Line must be getting their ideas for this stuff. But OK. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> and, and so and then my thing where I said it took me from midnight to like one thirty to check in. I believe I was traveling. I was in a hotel room and I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I had photos saved of the kids' passports, of, you know, selfies of them. And then mm-hmm. it was like it didn't accept one because my son had his glasses on and we needed oh one gosh. with the glasses off. And it, it just, it, I sat there and said, this is the same as all my Disney frustration. All right. <laughs> well, and that's funny because I want to tell, I want our listeners to understand, like, John is not a novice at this, right? He has checked in for many Disney cruises. He also travels a lot for work. So he's probably often doing this from a hotel room. In fact, he's talking to us right now from a hotel room. So this is not like a unique scenario where he doesn't have his his stuff together, right, John? I want people to understand this is obviously it's an issue like with Disney technology, an issue now apparently with Norwegian technology. Yeah. Let's rewind for one second and let's just play this out. So I'm going to say, from what I heard you say, John, the booking experience itself sounds like a tie for Uh, between Norwegian and Disney. Yep. Price, at least initial price. We'll get to the full value here in a second. But initial price, I think you're saying Norwegian would win as against Disney by a wide mile here. Correct. And then online check-in sounds like is a wash, maybe a slight edge to Disney. But I, I would say from your description, it's a wash. It's a wash. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's no, there's no, I can't tell you the, a great experience I ever had checking in at Disney. So. <laughs> All right. So, 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 so far for those keeping score at home, we got Norwegian ahead slightly against Disney on price. All right. Let's get to the port experience, the boarding experience. Um, you know, we've had some, I think, mixed reactions to Disney's boarding process, depending on where you are in the world. But overall, they do a pretty good job of a regimented boarding experience, keeping everything organized and moving. How did Norwegian fare for you? in Port Canaveral? I thought it was really good. So obviously their um, terminal is not as nice as Disney's terminal. I think theirs is very nice, but I thought the check-in process was extremely smooth. So again, I live in St. Augustine. It's two hours from myself to get to Port Canaveral. I think we left at close to 7.30 a.m. because we had like a 9.30 a.m. terminal arrival time. And we did that, no problem, got checked in with no problem, and then waited. We were probably called maybe 10, somewhere between 10.30 and 11 to board, and the boarding process was fine. That was smooth where, you know, sometimes Disney, it doesn't matter what number you are, everybody crowds the area to try and get on the ship, and you have to kind of maneuver through all that. This was pretty organized. So, you know, it didn't have that at all. So it was pretty smooth. Now, what's interesting is, right, Disney, you board, they announce your name, and you walk right onto the ship. Norwegian was you went up and down these gateways, and then you're walking on the outside of the ship before you go in a different door. And, you know, there is no announcement of the Marone family or anything. It was uh, welcome aboard. And that, that was about it. So it was pretty smooth. I'll give that one a tie because I've never really had 
um, problems at all boarding with Disney. Yeah. All right. First impressions of the ship, John, after you got on, you've been on the Disney ships. What was your first impression of the Norwegian ship? It was different. So walking through, it's more of what you would consider a cruise ship. To me, sometimes you get on Disney and there is that wow factor for it. You know, it's a little bit more upscale. Um, Norwegian to me, maybe a little bit less upscale than Disney, but still very impressive in Mm -hmm. the layout. I was pleased with the cleanliness of the ship. So, I, you know, very nice there. But I mean, Disney to me is just a, you know, a notch nicer in um, how it's set up. All right. So point point to Disney on first impressions, it sounds like. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm keeping score in my notebook here so that when we get to the end, we can declare the winner. I'm curious about um, Casino because obviously we have to talk about the fact that there is a casino because Disney ships don't have a casino. Um, I, we hear mixed reviews of casinos on other ships. They tend to be smoking areas, which is a turnoff to a lot of people. Um, and they also tend to be, I think, slot machine heavy, which is also a turnoff to a lot of people. But I'm curious curious about Norwegian's casino, um, what you thought of it, if you spent any time in it, that sort of a thing. We did. So we uh, I, I, we probably spent less time in it than we probably thought we were going to. First impression right away was we were surprised that they allowed smoking. That was interesting. And also because of where the casino is. So the casino is midship and it's not closed in. So if you were on the floor below, floor above, you weren't smelling smoked, but certain areas of the casino you were. I thought it was pretty well spaced out and plenty of table games. So while they did have the slot machines, they weren't all packed in. Um, they were spread out even down the hallway as well. Mm-hmm. So the walkway where you would walk from midship to you know aft, there were slot machines there as well. But plenty of table games, and I thought it, you know I thought it was good. It didn't detract. The cruise at all and then again we probably used it two nights out of the whole stay and if it wasn't there we wouldn't have missed it but you know mm-hmm. the two nights we were there we had fun giving them money now when walking around the ship is it an area that kids have to walk through or is it an area that can sort of be avoided it's, i know it's different on different ships of course but i'm always curious because obviously casinos are generally on land well on land they are always in the united states 21 and older establishments in other countries they might be you know 18 and older um, but i'm curious about um, on the ship whether or not it was an area that anyone could walk through or if it was sort of off the beaten path? Nope. Anybody could walk through. So, um, you know, we were sitting playing one night and the kids came and found us and stood by us where right in Vegas, they would have got tossed out of that. (laughs) There was no big deal. Also, there was even some arcade games like right at the front of the casino area. So like some of those Papa shop basketball games, they had two little bowling alley lanes that were right there, as well as a couple video games. So they had another self-enclosed arcade up towards the aft of the ship, but there mm-hmm. there was still a couple of arcade games right there by the casino as well. So let me ask the question then, casino or no casino? Because I think that's the, that's the question, right? Does the casino make the cruise better or does the casino degrade the cruise a little bit, uh, in which case, you know, Disney would be the better option? Yeah, it doesn't degrade it. I um, To me, if somebody wants to use it, great. My wife and I were married in Vegas. We enjoy casinos. You know, it's fun to, to do every now and then. So I, I'm fine with it. But again, 
it's not huge and it didn't take away from anything. So you don't say, well, right. if the casino wasn't there, what would be in its place? Well, maybe <laughs> some stores, right? It wasn't right. anything, right? I, I even look at that at Disney. If there was a small area that had a casino, what are you taking away? You're right. really not taking anything away. So I'm going to put the point in the tie column then, because see, it's okay to have one, okay to not have one. Yeah. See, and yeah. I I disagree, Brian. I actually think you have to put it in the positive column um, because John spent two nights playing in the casino. So I feel All like... Right. All right. I've, I've know, added it to the Norwegian column. Let's, let's keep right. going. Let's keep going. All right. We talked a little bit about the cabin that you got. John, but we didn't ask, you know, what did you think of the cabin? And, you know, the key question for a Disney cruiser is going to be, does it have a split bathroom, right? And uh, so I'm curious about the split bathroom and then what your overall impressions of the cabin were as against what you've experienced on Disney. So you're going to have to do a good job of um, figuring out who wins this one because no, it is not a split bathroom. So Disney gets the advantage on bathroom there. The bathroom <laughs> would be the size, right? It was fine. It had a nice um, shower in there, the toilet, double sink. Now, not all the cabins have that, but this club level cabin had double sink, which was wonderful. So the bathroom was fine. I know it wasn't split, but it was still a-okay. I think the overall right. cabin was better for one simple reason. Yeah. When you walk in the cabin, you open the door, the bathroom's immediately on your left. Fine. But then as you continue to walk into the room, the very first thing after the bathroom is the living area which is the couch, which then mm -hmm. would fold out to the bed. And then we had the bunk bed pull out from the ceiling. Then there's the king bed and then the door to the balcony. So you were able to walk around that cabin. So with Disney having that big bed first, where it's always trying to scoot by it to get past it, to get to where the couch is or that, this, I liked it much better. So I think the layout of the room I like better. If it, I'd rather have the split bathroom, but I like the layout of the room better. Well, and a key mention there, you said king bed, uh, which very few Disney Cruise Line rooms have. Was it a true king-size bed? Yeah, it could be split to two twins, but it was a king, yeah. Oh, so wow. you put the two twins together. Disney's only Disney's only a queen, so... Yep. All right, I'm giving that one to Norwegian, I think, uh, based on John's description, yeah. I agree with you, Brian. I don't. I think that while the bathroom is better, obviously, on Disney, you're, you know, your description of the bathroom is, you know, it's a good size. It's just not the split bathroom, but everything else goes for Norwegian. So I, I'm with you, Brian. Well, let's let's talk about uh, an area of lots of use on board a Disney ship, which is the pool deck. You're on a Caribbean cruise, so it should be at least some decent weather. Although I know for a spring break for us, it was uh, a little rough sailing out there. And I don't know how the weather held up for your seven night. But what did you think about the pool deck on board? We did not have the rough sailing that you had. Um, <laughs> so our waters were pretty calm. But for me, being Florida, I find the water to still be too cold in March in the Caribbean. Um, mm -hmm. So the kids don't have a problem getting in there. I do. <laughs> you Floridians and your cold yeah, blood. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, the pool deck's fine. I Like it or not, I like the way that the wish is laid out for the pools. I don't mind that they're small. Mm -hmm. I like that there's a bunch of them. I like the different levels. You know, I like the adult in the back and all that. I think overall, and we did not do a lot of the pool deck, but it's more of one big pool kind of like how, you know, to me, the dream is and that of that one big pool. And then they did have the adult pool and everything as well, which was fine. So I don't 
you know, the pool decks find good bars around there on the outside. All the kids' activities are in the back. Now, the water play area for the kids is much larger than, especially for the little ones. So, you know, if you if I think about the wish or the dream, right, the water play area is usually that smaller, self-contained area. And this way, the little ones don't escape from it. Like Nemo's, the Nemo thing on the dream or the fantasy or the toy story themed one on the on the wish yeah yep so i think what they call the aqua park or that much larger and much more impressive for the kids including the water slides as well than what disney has so i again the adult pool wise it's a wash or i like disney a little bit better but for the kids i think there was actually more because so much is put around right? The aqua dock or the aqua mouse, a little bit less on the pools here. I think having that one area was much nicer. All right. Another score for Norwegian. All right. It's, it's, I mean, they're pulling away here, Sam. It's not, uh, I know, it's not, it's I know, but, I've, this point. but we haven't, but we haven't hit some really important <laughs> know, categories, Brian. And I, I want to, can I jump to one, which is I, I want to know onboard activities. Let's talk daytime activities. We're not going to talk about shows and nighttime activities yet. But, you know, on the Disney ships, we know we've got lots of trivia going on. We've got lots of family game shows. We've got character meet and greets. I want to add in here, Sam, things like because on activities on other ships can get really far afield, too, because you're talking about like some ships have bumper cars and like other right. things. So I want to I want to lump it all in. Yeah, I want to yeah. lump it all in. John, how are the onboard activities? OK, so they have trivia and they have all those types of things. Here's where I didn't like it. So usually on Disney, if you're doing most of that daytime trivia, um, right on the wish, it's in Luna on the dream it's in one of the bars so it's contained right it's you mm-hmm. it, you want to go you go and that's it so they had the regular stuff they had bingo and they had everything there during the daytime so i don't think there's anything missing what was unique to me though is their stage is right in the middle of the center of the ship so there's no walls seating is kind of folding chairs put out on one side of it is the guest relations desk as well as the port excursion desk behind it is a bar and then a little coffee shop so it's wide open so i know we're talking about daytime but most all trivia the activity the dollar no dollar all that that they did takes place right there so Mm -hmm. it could get pretty crowded but also at night if you think about like the newlywed game and the stuff like that that they do that's wide open so anybody yeah. walking by can hear that, see that, kids, the whole ball of wax. So I, I just thought that that was a unique place and that they didn't use any other facility to be able to have some of those items. Everything took place in that main lobby area. And did they have any of the amenities on board, John, like, you know, wave riders and water slides and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so this one has a ropes course, which is actually a pretty big ropes course. They had the miniature golf, they had the aqua park, and those are probably the big ones. So this one doesn't didn't have the go karts or the uh, flow rider or that. So I know the newer ships have that. So that's what they had. All right. So who's who? Who would you give the point here to, John, in terms of the overall kind of onboard activity experience? Think on Disney for that. So. I think there's a lot that goes into it. So because, again, if we're talking about activities, I think you have to lump in kids club, right, because of their activities, especially if we're counting the ropes course and all that. 
like my kids on the wish, they love the new right gym area, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the Incredibles course or whether he can get my son could go in there and play basketball. So they had basketball as well. That was outside. So they, they had all that, all the normal stuff. But if you want to get in the kids club, being one of the activities, you could almost give Disney two checks for that one over and over. Ah. So, oh. so I was going to ask you that as a separate category, because I think that kids club is a separate category. I but I think you, yeah, but you've given, I'm going to say you've given the daytime ex, uh, activity stuff to Disney one check. So, but tell us what, what was, yeah, what's the differentiator here with the kids club? Cause you have so, two kids Yep. and so, what was their, how old are they again? Twins who are 12. Okay. Okay. The kids club on the Norwegian is ages three to 12. Okay. Uh, so we took them to go see it, to check them in, get the wristband, which is how they do it and just see it. At the time we were checking them in. There was families checking in children who were pretty much three who were just Mm -hmm. having meltdowns, just screaming, just everything. And then when you looked around their kids club, it's like there's not much separation here, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of more of one big room when you go through it. And the only thing that they're looking at is I don't want to spend my time in the same room as a three-year-old. Well, to be fair, though, Disney does also their kids club, the, the Oceaneer Club and Oceaneer Lab are also three to 12. But then they have the tween club, which starts at age 11, and that goes 11 to 14. And then the teen club is, I think, 14 through 17. So you've got, they had two choices on Disney. Is that right? They've got, they can go to the Oceaner Club or Lab if they want to do those kinds of activities, but they also can go to the tween club. Which they love the tween club on the wish, which that's not an option. So there is a teen club here. They were too young to be able to do it. So, oh, they have nothing then. So they're in the three to the 12, nothing for the tweens. So when they went and saw it, and then there were some different things. So if you drop them off, they must stay a minimum of two hours. What? Unless you're coming to check them out. You know, on Disney, we let them check themselves in and out. Right. All right. We know where they are. They're contained. And, you know, they can text us. We know where we are, where they are. Here, if they were to check themselves in and out, then it, when they went in, it was a minimum two hours before they can check themselves out. That doesn't make any sense. I wonder why they do that. And then my, I haven't, I, if you know, please tell us, but my, I have an, another question, which is, is the kids club an extra cost or is it included like on Disney? Yeah, it is included. So it's not an extra cost. And I guess the only thing I could think of where they try and do it is so kids aren't just in and out, in and out, right? If they're going to be in there, they're going to be in there. Um, so that turned them off. So they probably, they went once during the whole trip. That was all that they went in there. And on that, they asked one of us to check them out, right? All the friends. So they spent the majority of their time on the ship playing basketball, going in the arcade. Now the arcade Mm -hmm. is a separate cost. So there's two things on the arcade. So you pay a flat fee. I believe it was $79 for the cruise. Mm -hmm. And you can play all the games that don't give tokens. Any of the games that give tokens are an extra charge. I assume that's because those have prizes. Correct. The tokens lead to prizes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we're giving Kids Club to Disney then, it sounds like. Absolutely. Uh, Yep. 
Would you like a chance to sail with the DCL Duo? Well, we have an opportunity for you. That's right. Next June is going to be our first ever inaugural DCL Duo podcast cruise. And we have a fun lineup of stuff on its way for that sailing. We're going to be on the magic for a three-night Bahamian sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on June 19th next year, 2024, with a stop at Lighthouse Point, one of the first sailings to go to Lighthouse Point. We are so excited to welcome all of you, our listeners and fans out there, to join us on this sailing. We've got some special things we want to do, including potentially an onboard recording of the podcast, which will just be so much fun. If you are interested in sailing with us, we would love to meet you. We always love to meet and interact with our listeners. So if you're interested, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. That's mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. Let them know you're interested in this sailing. We have a room block reserved, which means you've got opening day pricing locked in for some of our remaining rooms. So head over there, check it out. We'd love to see you on board with that. Thanks to My Path Unwinding Travel for sponsoring the show. And now back to the episode. Let's go to shore excursions here. Did you take any shore excursions on Norwegian? And what did you think of the offerings that were available? Better or the same as Disney? Yeah, I think overall the same as Disney when you look at the shore excursions, especially for the places they go. I think it's pretty consistent for that. Our first stop being um, the Dominican Republic, we just went and walked. You know, there was a, a nice area there in Puerto Plata. So they have these pool beach clubs. So you can go to the beach club, grab some chairs, um, listen to music you know, get some drinks, do whatever. So we did that for a little bit. And then we went and grabbed a taxi and went into town. The neat thing about the taxi there. So this wasn't something that we booked through the cruise. We just did it while we were there. The good thing is the taxi driver, when he parked the car, he got out was your tour tour guide and took us around um, to see the different sites. So that was fine. Not much else. Even people that we talked to who did short excursions there, there wasn't anything that I felt like, oh, that we missed out. St. Thomas, the reason we didn't is um, my wife's twin sister and family lives in St. Thomas. So they came and met us and we did Megan's Bay and spent the afternoon there with them, um, which plenty of people did that as part of their tour anyway. For the British Virgin Islands and Tortola, we did pay for the tour. And so the good and bad for this. So we did a 45-minute catamaran ride from Tortola to Yas Van Dyke. Yas Van Dyke to me, beautiful. If you ever do the Virgin Islands, find a way to get there. It is um, one of the most beautiful areas I've ever seen. So I know you guys have talked about Megan's Bay being one of the uh, nicest places. I will take this place over Megan's Bay. That's what we've been hearing. So we haven't, we've been to Tortola once or twice on like our first couple of cruises with Disney. It's been quite a while though. And then we've more recently heard of Yas Van Dyke and have heard, as you have said, very similar reviews that it is amazing, beautiful, The it's that it's just an awesome place and that we have to go next time we go to Tortola. So we will, at some point, we'll get back to Tortola and, and head there, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Now, the only thing that I'll say is this. Our port stay in Tortola was 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Well, that's too short. Too short, considering it's a 45-minute catamaran ride there and back. We didn't have a lot of time to uh, 
sit there and enjoy the beach, ride a couple hours. And then next thing you know, you're right back on the catamaran. Even St. Tom, I think St. Thomas was like 11 to five. Those are short. Yeah. Puerto yeah. Plata was, I think a full like nine to four and their private Island was like nine to four. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So shore excursions to me, a wash, you can do the same for any cruise line yeah. that comes in. So, so I think that's a great segue to the private Island question, right? We've got, um, Obviously, Castaway Key, and I'm forgetting the name. You said Stingray. it earlier on the show. Stingray something, I think. Or Stir- Stir- Great Stirrup K. Great Stirrup K. Yep. Yeah. Great Stirrup K. Okay, so Castaway K- Key, Key. I'm going to say it right. So okay. Castaway Key versus Great Stirrup, and I'm going to call it Key, even though I don't care that NCL calls it K. So I'm going <laughs> to pause you for one second, Sam. I did take some time earlier this week to <laughs> look up the I word C-A-Y going. in Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, and it does afford both pronunciations. So I know. I just like to, to say it the way the Bahamians do. But tell us what the maybe the differences are between Stirrup and Castaway and who's got the better private island. Going back, if anybody's listened to me before, I have a uh, vacation house that is named Castaway Cottage, named after... Um, Castaway Key or K. And so it has a deep, deep place in my heart. I think that Disney, where I like it, is there's all the things you can do there. Uh, absolutely. So you can just sit on the beach and do nothing, but at least they have the two different things in the water that the kids could do, right? They could do mm-hmm. the slides on the one side and then they had the ropes that they could climb on the other one. That was missing from Great Stirrup Key. So interesting. They did have some things that you can do that are extra. So like you can zip line. Well, that's an extra Mm -hmm. charge. You can, you know, they have the snorkeling um, as well. But to me, they were missing the activities that the kids can do Mm -hmm. out in the water. That to me is probably the only thing to me that was a big difference. The food, almost identical, right? Go get your lunchtime barbecue. If you would have said, here's the food and blindfolded me on the way there, I wouldn't, I could, wouldn't have been able to tell you what one I was at, right? It was <laughs> I think to me where Castaway Key gets it is really on just having a little bit more for the kids to do. Interesting. So no water park type feature like we hear about yeah. it, like Royal Caribbean has. Now, here's the other thing which really tilts it in Disney's favor. Great Stirrup Key is a tender island. Yeah, <laughs> you have to book your time to get on a tender to go to their private island. Now, their private island is literally right next to Royal Caribbean's, which is mm-hmm. what um, whatever they call that. Is that Coco? Coco, Perfect yeah. Day at Coco Perfect Cay, day at yeah. Coco Cay. So sitting on the beach. You can see Great it, right? Key, I could see their <laughs> boat docked on their private island right <laughs> next to us while I see our tenders going back and forth. Right. So that kind of adds a little, it's like the knife right in the, you know, <laughs> yeah. just twisted a little bit there when you have to see it right across the way. That that makes sense. Yeah. yeah and so that was another thing where um, to be able to book the tender, it's like 24 hours in advance and they had these touch screens at different places in the lobby by the elevator bank. So you could book your tender there, or you can do it at the guest relations desk. If you miss that, your time just gets later and later and later. So like we had an early tender time, maybe it was 830 or something. It was one of the first ones. I think we were tender two 
some of our other friends forgot to do it and they were tender time like 12 o'clock if they showed up they were fine probably any time after you know 9 30 10 it wasn't that big of a right. deal but after the morning um, rush yeah, yeah but again another thing that you had to pay attention to of booking that tender to be able to get to the well, point to Disney. Um, <laughs> the scoring here, which I will not reveal yet, is is interesting. All right. Let's head back on board and we have to talk about the shows. Yes. So I was waiting. <laughs> well, I always say food for last. I've got a couple more questions here, but let's talk about the shows. Who's uh, going to win the day on shows here, John? Again, their one show, right? The Choir of Man was really good show. Enjoyable. Uh, that one I really liked, and I'll take that up against any of the Disney ones, right? Which is fine. Mm-hmm. That was the one, again, looking at it for the week. That show went on twice, but that was it. So now you had the other days to fill up. They had a magician. To me, it was okay, but also it was supposed to be somewhat of a family show, and he was pretty inappropriate. Um, oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah, which was, uh, which was interesting. And he overall wasn't that good. He failed on a lot of his tricks. Um, really wow because that that's odd because i would say like on disney even the variety act performers that they have like the ventriloquist the magician juggler hypnotist they are really at the top of their game i would say i i i I wouldn't say i've loved every single performer i've seen on disney that would be a lie but i will say i don't ever i i can't think of one that i saw that was really bad or that messed up multiple tricks or anything like that. And most of the performance of it, I would say have a really high quality. Yeah. So that was it. The other nights they had like um, an Elton John tribute. Mm-hmm. They've had, they had a tribute to some other bands and they, um, it just, it wasn't that good. They have a supper club, which is, would be considered one of your regular dining and the mm-hmm. supper club we went in it one night because it was doing i forget what maybe it was uh disco songs or something or r&b and um we lasted about three songs and left it was wow it wasn't that good they had another so hall at the moon is one of the places on the ship right dueling mm-hmm. pianos yeah um, there's one in baltimore where i went to you know in downtown baltimore i went to college uh in baltimore and we had a Hall at the Moon bar in downtown, and it was a great dueling piano bar. It needed a bigger location. This would be something that people would get in there, save the seats, and we were never able to get in there. So it was probably a fun show, but it was packed, right? People would go, grab their seats hours before the show, and that was it. They had another one, which was actually good. It was like an 80s band. The only reason I say it was good is we were able to listen to them and see it on a TV outside the actual (laughs) club they were playing in um, because that was packed as well. So and that was one where, you know, at least an hour ahead, there was a line to be able to get into that show. So I think it was a combination of the ship being crowded. But two, I think it lacked on overall entertainment so if something was good it just um people flocked to it and and grabbed it and it wasn't hard Mm -hmm. to get in to see the magician but it was uh difficult to get in to see the other stuff so i was wasn't overly impressed with the uh entertainment all right point disney on entertainment would that include the your you know discussion there at the end john i'm wondering same on nightlife yeah so you know it's a mix so like i like the nightlife a little bit more on like the dream 
then I did okay. the wish because again, to me in the wish, right in the inside the one bar is usually just the piano player. So, I mean, that's not very rousing. And then in the bayou, right, it's usually the three people who are playing. And while it's nice, it's not what you would consider as much. So, you know, somewhat the entertainment on the wish, I think the shows are good. I think the nightlife part of the entertainment is a little lacking compared to the other ones. And here I'll kind of say the same thing. I think the uh, nightlife was a little lacking. All right. Well, we will we will leave it as a tie then on that one. Um, oh, I would give it to Disney because while I think John is essentially saying the Wish and Norwegian are probably equal, but the other ships on Disney are better. I think you know, as, as you've described, John, on the Dream, the Fantasy, and even on the Wonder and um, the Magic, you've got this sort of adult district area. They call it the District on the Dream. They call it Europa on the Fantasy and they call it After Hours on the Magic and the Wonder. And it does have a nice adult After Hours kind of atmosphere. I agree with you on the wish. That's probably my least favorite of the adult nightlife, except for the Rose Bar, which is fantastic. But I digress. I'm going to give, I think the edge you're giving to to the Disney, but only by a, a smidge. I will, I will add a point to the Disney column. All right. As we come into the home stretch here, we got to talk about food. So, Restaurant offerings, food quality. What did you think, John? Norwegian versus Disney. I like Disney a little better. Just a touch. My wife liked Norwegian better. Here's, here's what I'll say. On Norwegian, there were three dining rooms that are included, right? They're not extra. Um, so it's Taste, Savor, and the Manhattan Room. They all have the same menu. Now, what I found during this is... When you open up their menu, there's two sides to it. The left side of the menu, the right side. The left side never changes. It's the same every single night. The right side has a little less items on it, but it does change from day to day. But I wouldn't, it wasn't anything that kind of blew you away. To me, um, you had those. The buffet is open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. And the buffet did change every single night. So... I'll give an advantage there to Norwegian on having at least that available. One thing with Norwegian, what they say is, right, you don't have to book a time to eat, right? right. Eat whenever you want, as long as it's before 10 o'clock is pretty much what you, what you find. They had one restaurant that was open 24 hours, but everything else you had until 10 o'clock and that was it. Good there. They're upscale restaurants. I think they try and drive you to those. They try and drive you to those upscale restaurants. So we did two of them, which is what we received the free credits for. So we did the Brazilian Steakhouse and we did the French restaurant and both were very good. I think the Brazilian Steakhouse was really good for what it was, you know, just uh, a regular all you can eat, right? They bring the meats out to you in that. I thought it was thought it was very good. The kids loved it. The salad bar with it was good. So not much different than a Fogo de Chao or Texas de Brazil on a cruise ship. That was good. I thought the French restaurant was good. The one thing that I will say is I think sometimes the Disney meals might be a little bit more upscale. What am I always going to find on the buffet of the Disney ships? I'm going to find the snow, snow crab, uh, the stone crab claws. I'm going to find right. the peel and eat shrimp. There was shrimp on the buffet when we got on the boat on Norwegian and then never saw it again for the most part the rest of the trip. Yep. You never saw lobster in any form on the menu, unless you did one of the um, extra restaurants. 
you know, I think the regular restaurants, you got your fish, your chicken, your pasta, your steak and all that. But I think they were more right. Here's it's a generic type thing. If you want to have the more indulgent things, you're going to have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I give that I, I think sometimes to me on Disney is that's an advantage because I think their menus can be a little bit more upscale in the dining rooms um, than this was. That's a good point. I mean, just being just having some of that um, higher level food included is a bonus, even if it means you don't have as many dining options on board, which is, I think, one of the advantages you've pointed out that Norwegian has. So, I mean, I think one of the things, and it's no different where my wife and I talked about, she liked the fact that we did, weren't set for seven straight days of dining at 530 or 815, right? Right. But for seven straight days, I think we ate at the same time every night. <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, I, you know, I think that's one of the things is it wasn't like, well, one, one night we ate at five and the next night we ate at nine and, you know, it worked out perfect. I think there was there. But I also think there were times where if those, the sit down restaurants were busy or had a wait, you ended up at the buffet, which wasn't always bad, but you knew it was there. So I, we probably had dinner at the buffet a few more times than I thought we would have. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this is a great segue to the service question, which I know is the next spot that Brian is wanting to talk about because it it really ties nicely in with dinner on Disney Cruise Line. You always have the same wait staff. And I'm going to talk overall service, but wait staff is a big part of that service component, as we all know, at least on Disney, um, because you've got the same people every night when you are doing, I'll call it anytime dining. I know different cruise lines call it different things, but you're when you're doing an anytime dining arrangement on another cruise line, you are not going to have the same servers, particularly even if you're in the same dining room every night. John, I, I'm wondering what you thought of the whole service experience on Norwegian on the waitstaff side, but also in just general with you know crew in, in, in all of the places on the ship. So to give you an idea on cabins, Disney gets the advantage on cabins. So Norwegian just recently, like right before we went on the cruise, made an announcement that they had cut um, staff on their cruise ships. Ooh. Right. That they, that again, cost savings or whatever and cut some staff. So because of that, there is no chocolates on your bed at night, nor do they make animals out of your towels. Oh, so that makes me so sad. That, so it was, we'll clean your cabin once a day. That is it. So mm-hmm. um, not as much there with the cabins. And then I think on the wait staff, even though it wasn't the same person every time, it was hit or miss. I mean, I think some of them were just excellent. And then there were some that were misses. We've had some misses. Last cruise on the Wish, I think that mm-hmm. the service was okay. It wasn't great. I think our biggest complaint on the Wish recently has been when we've sat down to dinners, we've had to ask for a drink menu almost every single time. Mm. And if our glass is empty, we've had to ask for another which usually they'd be right on top of that. So I found that to be a little bit lacking as well. Here, hit or miss as well. Some were good, some weren't. So I think overall, I, I think it's a wash on that. I, again, Disney is excellent service, but I will say um, our last couple of times, it hasn't been the same level as what we were pre-COVID, that I'll say. But cabin-wise, Disney wins by a, by a good mile there. Interesting. I would I would have to agree with you. We've had not quite as good service in um, 
in our wait staff on on the wish as well. And I don't know if it's the staff or if it's just in part the ki- the arrangement of where the kitchen is. And it seems like food takes longer to come out on the wish. And maybe that's what hurts them in getting your drinks and getting you extra bread. We've had very friendly wait staff, but yeah. I want to make sure I'm keeping track here. So we gave point to Disney on food. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And it sounds like we're giving, well, who's getting the point on service? I'm Disney. <laughs> well, Disney's he said it was a, yeah. I, I, he said it's, it's a, a wash, wash but because on, of the cabin. I'm right. It he said it's a wash on wait staff, but the service on the steward, the, the cabin steward makes the difference. Yeah. All right. Well, then I have one final question, which is the overall value for the cruise. So John, let me put it to you this way. You said up front, comparable cruise on Disney would have been close to (laughs) $11,000. And this cruise was, you know, 5,000. Which one would have held the value better in your estimation? So I look at it as being 5,000. And then what we spent on board was only an extra couple hundred dollars, like 200 bucks. That would have been for seven nights on Disney with drinks and everything would have been at least another thousand. I think the value on Norwegian, they're going to win that. You know, if somebody's looking to do a good cruise and they know what they're getting going into it, I think Norwegian has good value. Wow. All right. Well, now you've got to help me here, John, because at the beginning of this show, you kind of spoiled the whole thing for us in saying that if you were going to go again on a seven-night cruise, you would choose Disney, right, over Norwegian. So help us, uh, or really help our listeners understand why that decision, if you think the value was, was so good on Norwegian, which it sounds like it was, I, I'm not keeping score, but I think Brian will, will reveal. I'm, I think actually Norwegian probably squeaked out a win here on the, on the standings. You would be wrong. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Wrong. So I could give Norwegian two more points here <laughs> that we didn't talk about. Number no. one, and, and I'll be quick on these. Norwegian still does a paper navigator. <laughs> oh, I'm God, giving them a point navigator. for that. Right. Disney's getting a point because... Disney's communication online works. We could text with the the kids on iMessage. The app works. (laughs) Norwegian, we couldn't text with the kids. It was a disaster. It was was a horrible experience of trying to find them, figure out where it was that we never had on Disney before. The second thing I'll give this, the thermal suite on Norwegian, much better than the rainforest room on Disney. I believe that. All right. So I gave Norwegian an extra point for a printed navigator. I slid a point over to the Disney column for onboard communication and then uh, an extra point to Norwegian for the thermal suite. So, uh, oh, wait, but sure- we didn't say internet. You did say internet was terrible on Norwegian. Yeah. So, I, if you want to put that in communication, that's fine. But otherwise, yeah, I've yeah. already kind of awarded, I've awarded that one, Sam, already All pretty right, much. So, enough. if I've done my math correctly, the final score would be 14 points for Disney and 12 points for Norwegian. So, they've squeaked out a Two-point win, if my math is correct, I may have ascribed an extra point to Disney somewhere along the way, so it may be a one-point win. But at worst, it is a complete tie. So I think that (laughs) that is a a Disney win based on my math. And uh, there you go. That's why John would go on a seven-night cruise with Disney, because it wins out (laughs) overall. That's right. I, I will say this, and I'll ask you guys this question. I think The Wish is not a repeatable cruise. Mm. I've enjoyed it, but 
I don't know if I could do it again. And here's why. Dining. The Frozen show is not changing. I've seen it twice. I don't need to see it a third time. Mm -hmm. The Marvel restaurant. It doesn't change. So I knew the jokes, right? I saw them the first time. I knew them the second time. It's not going to be anything interesting the third. It's just a meal. Mm -hmm. And so, right, 1923 is just overall a good restaurant. I think that The Wish, while it's a nice cruise, is not repeatable. So I am going to agree and disagree. <laughs> I, I will agree with you. I, I think the shows in Marvel and Arendelle are, are, you know, not quite as repeatable as the other dining experiences on the other Disney ships. However, now having seen, um, I think, each of the shows three times, because technically Brian, Brian and I have been on The Wish four times, four separate cruise itineraries, although, of course, back to back in both sets of them. And we're going on two more times in August, another back to back. I will say I do think I, I'm not itching to book more cruises on The Wish, so I will agree with you there. But I do still really like the food on The Wish. So even though I could sort of take or leave the show experience, I will say the, the show in Marvel changed between our first couple sailings and our most recent sailing. We actually liked the version on the Maiden Voyage the best. But regardless, I still think the food is fantastic. And I don't mind seeing the Arendelle show more than once. It is a little loud, um, but I enjoy it and I enjoy the food. So I'm okay with less sort of repeatable dinner shows because I think the quality of the food is just so much better than on the other ships on the whole. That doesn't mean just the dining rooms, but because the, the, that pool deck food is just a huge win, at, even including even the pizza is better. And I know that sounds crazy, but it is fresh, freshly made crust. And so it's much, much better. So yeah, I agree with you. It's a less repeatable itinerary. It is heavily first time cruisers, which is a different crowd. And uh, even the three-night crowd is different from the four-night crowd. The four-night crowd, people are trying to squeeze in a seven-night cruise in four nights, so they're trying to go to everything, so the spaces are really crowded. It's actually, in some ways, worse than the three-night cruise in that respect. So, yeah, I mean, I like I said, I agree and disagree with you there, John. I would rather cruise on one of the other ships. I think now that I've sailed on her four times, I think I would say if I'm going to pick a, a ship to sh sail on, I don't think I'm itching to go on the Wish, even though that's actually where we're going on our next three cruises, maybe. <laughs> we booked too many Wish cruises right after <laughs> after the Maiden. We, we were really excited. We had great time on the Maiden, the DVC charter. Still love her. Think her food is the best. But yeah, I'd probably skew towards one of the other four. Well, after that discussion and a eek of a win on the Disney Cruise Line side of things, uh, let me just wrap us up by you know saying, John, is there anything that you wanted to share about your experience on Norwegian that we didn't get to in this show? No, I think that we got it all. I think we uh, we covered it and I'm surprised that it was 1412, but very close. <laughs> like I said, Very close. Uh, I'm doing uh, what I like to call island math. Uh, you know, it's close. <laughs> it's close math, uh, not uh, not scientific. 
Uh, and I'm sure someone will correct me by listening to the show and rescoring it and telling me that Norwegian actually eked out a win if that happened. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So, John, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience about Norwegian Cruise Line. We love doing these shows to understand what the other offerings are like out there and just so appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience with us. So thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. Good night.